Welcome to CEO Money. I'm Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining with us. All right, my guest today, Nicholas Settler. He is the CEO of MPFA Incorporated. Nicholas, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Good to see you. All right, my pleasure. If you would give us a, a, some background on you, what your company does, and then I'd like to walk through a couple of uh, questions that I put together for you. Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, uh, the company is my PFA, uh, which is the corporate entity that owns myperfectfinancialadvisor.com, which intends to be the eHarmony or matchmaker, if you will, to match investors or consumers to financial advisors. And it's a brand new uh, offering. It's actually not uh, quite live yet. Uh, a um, beta version has been live for a number of months. It's going live in June of this year. But I've been in the industry for about 30 years. I uh, uh, recently wrote a book on the topic of how to find uh, and evaluate and hire a financial advisor, regardless of how much money you have. You can see my propaganda behind me. And uh, the thesis of the book is incorporated into uh, the software application. And that's at Barnes & Noble, right? It's in Barnes & Noble stores, not every store, but a number of stores online, uh, Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, and most uh, sellers. Tell me about the connections here on being able to reach out to financial advisors for people coming to your site. How is that made? Is it like um, a, a artificially intelligent um connection piece or is there i mean walk us through how somebody would use your platform sure once it's fully released in june of this year uh the system is going to ask you just a handful of questions not that many but it's going to ask both the consumer and the advisor to access data about them so it's going to use artificial intelligence and big data quote unquote and our industry knowledge to make marriages if you will between the, the consumer or financial advisor, um, consumer or investor, and the financial advisor. So we intend to make the system a, uh, a more efficient system to prevent data input entry uh, errors uh, or really aspirational uh, uh, statements when people fill out surveys about themselves. Sometimes there's a big mismatch when you rely completely on a survey of people, especially when it comes to a match you know, making type of site. When you think about dating sites, there's been issues with dating sites over the course of time where sometimes people just quite don't believe what is there on the screen. So we intend to minimize that error rate by going to where the data lives, you know, with, of course, the permission of both the, the investor and the advisor. Now, you have some research that uh, Vanguard, Morningstar, uh, AON, Hewitt, uh, put out that you wanted to talk about on today's show. Bring that out for us. Sure. A huge misconception about financial advisors. I mean, there's many, and that's why I wrote the book. I wanted the book to get out first, really to get consumers more acclimated to the notion of getting an advisor. And then obviously this is all incorporated into the application, but there's a lot of research that proves out financial advisors uh, are worth it. And the kind of the bottom line is if you have a financial advisor, on average, year in and year out, that advisor will give you three percentage points of improvement, either in your portfolio or in your, at your savings and your cash balances over the course of time. And Vanguard, Morningstar, huge names in the industry, financial engines, Aon Hewitt, and, and a number of others actually, 
have done these white papers and this analysis going back in some cases as long as 10 years. And these firms, in some case, compete with each other. So it's kind of amazing as me as an industry insider to see these very large old companies really come to pretty much the same conclusion. But if you have an advisor, you take their advice year in and year out uh, on average, you will do 3% better every year. And every once in a while, an investor will say to me, say to me, hey, so what? It's only 3%. But that adds up over the course of 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Conversely, there's research that shows the average investor loses 3% by being completely self-directed. So it's for me, it, it's really a now a fact that if you have an advisor, and of course, the caveat is a quote-unquote good advisor, but if you have an advisor, you are going to do much better than going it alone. Now, you wanted to bring up millennials. I wanted to, uh, that's kind of a touchy subject sometimes because some people have different concepts of how they actually stack up as clients when it comes to financial products. Right. Well, another myth. There's a lot of myths out there about advisors. And one of the myths is that it's hard to get an advisor if you're not rich. And actually, that's never been true. Um, and it's certainly not true today. What is true, it, it was harder to find these advisors years ago. So today, you can find advisors that actually focus on millennials, actually focus on consumers that don't have any investable assets. And they do what's called a financial plan or charge a retainer or fixed fee or an hourly fee. And there's entire organizations, in fact, that have been created around supporting millennial advisors and millennial clients. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're 25, 30, and you literally don't have a portfolio, you still should get a financial advisor. Generally, they're called a financial planner, and they will gladly take you and help you work through all the issues, whether it be college funding, savings, whatever the issue you know may be that's, that's uh, financially germane to your life. Now, there are different schools of thought, and I'd like to hear your school of thought on this. How would you go about finding a great advisor versus a bad one? Sure. Well, the easiest thing to tackle that question is, number one, the easiest thing to do is avoid a, a, a bad advisor in, in the absolute. And with one huge caveat, nothing in life is perfect. The system I'm building now will never be, quote unquote, perfect. Every, every system uh, on the planet has some kind of issue with it. But a quick way to avoid a bad advisor is, first and foremost, make sure you're actually talking to an advisor. The people that actually get taken advantage of most often hire someone that's literally not licensed. And there's two websites to go to to validate a person's identity. It's either the SEC or the FINRA website. You go to those two websites and you, number one, find out, are they registered? Once you validate they're actually registered, then actually look at their history. Look at what's called their disciplinary history. Most advisors don't have any, but in some cases, those that do, uh, and it's a very small number, but you don't want to be part of that tiny percentage, they have essentially what looks like a rap sheet. And if you see negative action after negative action after negative action, fines, even misdemeanors, even a felony, believe it or not, you likely are not going to want to deal with that advisor. So that's how to avoid 
uh, a bad advisor. How to get a, a great advisor, you know, there'll be my system available in the summertime, but other, way, other ways right now to find a great advisor is I map this out in the book and there's other sources as well. There are trade associations you can go to. You can search, find advisors. Generally, it's better to find someone closer to you. And there's a whole series of questions to ask them and some very straightforward ones like, what exactly do you do for a living? And what exactly do you not do for a living? And that's a, that's a very important question that most investors don't even think to ask because they think advisors, in some cases, do everything. And that's, that's never been the case and it can't be the case. It's too complicated a world. So when an advisor tells you very quickly, this is what I do for a living, and it breaks down basically into two buckets. I'm either managing money, i.e. an asset manager, or I am a financial planner, or a third, frankly, uh, they're a wealth manager, they do both. And they should be very, very, uh, they should very easily be able to tell you that. And the second thing is ask them exactly how much money do you think you're going to make from my account? And more importantly, how? Do you charge an hourly fee, a retainer? Do you charge by commissions? Do you charge an asset center management fee? Each one of these models is fine as long as it's clearly disclosed and you understand it. And if the advisor can't quickly and succinctly and, and clearly. Nicholas, thank you for being sure. our guest on today's show. You've been watching CEO Money with Michael Yorba. Don't forget, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.